0: What a great song to wake up to. It's great to have you join us Scott Colborne, with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena and Jim Name That Tune. That was Sky Dancer. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but you're right. <laughs> oh,
1: that was such a hard question.
0: <laughs> you are. Well, it's, was it wasn't really fair of me to just forget on you, but I just love that track. I just it says so much. Uh, Dave Epp is a great uh, great musician and great I like what he does
1: and uh, Carolyn is a superb vocalist. Just You can't get any better than that.
0: That's from their previous recording called Cobalt. It's mm-hmm. kind of the leadoff track that I use a lot here called Sky Dancer. I'm Scott Colborn. Jim Shurney's over here. And, Jim, we've got um, Sulawesi, the coffee that has that fun name mm-hmm. in our cups, Sulawesi. And from one of my favorite <laughs> coffee places in Lincoln, who shall not be named, but...
1: But everybody you know, knows who they are. Fresh
0: ground, and oh boy. So, I've had uh, one and a half cups already. I make it pretty strong, so... It's no wonder you're so perky this morning. You know, I'm, I'm on the other side of this chest cold. I've been trying to find somebody to give it to, but nobody I, has I don't been want a, it. a taker. No thanks. Um, you know, I did the show last week with my voice barely coming back from having lost it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to be done with this. Hey, we've got a great show. Um, I'm holding up a book here that is by Jason Offutt.
1: That's what, like an inch thick? Yeah. It's a really, uh, really thick book.
0: The Chasing American Monsters, Over 250 Creatures, Cryptids, and Hairy Beasts. Mm-hmm. So, state by state, alphabetically, he goes through here, including Nebraska. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Surely
1: we don't have any strange
0: beasts here. Yes, we do, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> hey, who's up first, Jim?
1: Charlene with Pet Talk. Okay, we've done this before with her, haven't we? so, yeah. You should be a lamb. Oh,
0: yeah. She's the intelligent woman that always brings the, the quotient up just a couple of degrees here on the show. And she's so fun to talk to. She's got great dogs and cats for adoption. After the miracle of electronics and me pushing the right buttons, she should be right there.
2: Good morning. Hi, Charlene. How are things?
0: Better. How's your week been?
2: It's been really good. It went fast, um, but it was really a good one.
0: Okay, Jim. um, Charlene, tell us about some things going on like fundraisers.
2: Have our tails and trails pet walk and festival coming up on uh, May 18th, and registration is open. It's a really fun event. Um, You can go to our website and learn more. Um, Again, it's May 18th. It's going to be at the Fallbrook Town Center, and it's an important fundraiser. So we can help lots of animals every year. Uh, So again, there's information about how to sign up, um, what all the activities are that are going on. Um, and you can just find a lot more information by going to our website at CapitalHumaneSociety.org.
1: Okay, and Fallbrook Brook is out there northwest Lincoln. Yes. Uh, basically, right across the street from the airport on the yeah, north side. Yeah, that. <laughs> that
2: direction. Uh, up there, yeah, <laughs> north
1: of the Highlands. It is a really uh-huh. nice, newer area.
2: Right. And it's always been just a really nice area for us to have all these different activities. Um, mm-hmm. And people gather there for the pet walk and to meet other people who love animals. It's a really nice day.
0: As we say when the kids and I are driving down the street, a bunch of animals walking humans.
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought you were going to say don't fall in the brook. How many, how many years have you done this, Shirley?
2: Oh my goodness, that is a very good question. I am not exactly sure. I don't think we have like the date, but I know I worked here in the 90s for a while, and we were doing it then, mm-hmm. so it's been going on since then. Okay,
1: so basically you started as a small child.
2: <laughs> I just have a young boy. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> well, it's great to have you with us. This is Charlene with the Capital Humane Society, and ladies and gentle people, if you dial up Capital humanesociety.org, you can follow along. Follow the bouncing ball because we're going to start with cats and kittens for adoption. And here's Shirley with our first pick.
2: We're going to start with Bronx. An orangish buff tabby cat, just nine months old, short fur, a playful kitten, very intelligent and inquisitive, looking for a family that will love him for his whole Uh-oh. life. Yeah, you
1: can sure tell. <laughs> uh
2: huh. <laughs> He's
1: ready to jump on you. Yep. <laughs> Let's oh, go. Beautiful markings. Yeah. Um, uh, how
0: would you describe that? That's a kind of a gray coat, and then the the ringed. Uh, markings on the four legs, what would you call that?
2: So, yeah, those are tabby markings, and he's the picture does look a little grayish, but he is more orange and, or buff-colored.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a muted orange, maybe?
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, peach. Let's go with that.
1: Peach, a peach cat.
0: <laughs> okay, Bronx is a beautiful cat. He may be the right one for you. And he's got a buddy. His buddy's name is?
2: Miss Kitty. And Miss Kitty is a very pretty all-black cat with bright eyes, about two years old, and she has the longer fur. Um, A very intelligent cat will be a lovely companion and hopes her family will be coming in today to choose adoption.
1: And Miss Kitty is on page two, if you're following along with us. Beautiful black kitty. Looks like she's got maybe medium-length hair and uh, light green eyes. Pretty cat. How can
0: you tell all that? Because I can just see, like, two eyeballs with this black mask.
1: You know, if you click on the picture, you can make it bigger. They can do that on the Internet now.
2: And it does, yeah, it does help to show a little bit more detail. And when you walk by her little condo here, she is one of those that's just really engaging. She just comes right up to the glass and wants to look at you and talk to you and get to know you. So she's quite outgoing.
0: Now, if, you, if, if you're looking in that page and you look two cats to the right, there's a cat by the name of Assault. And I just want to make sure that people are going to be able to adopt a whole cat because it only shows the front half of that cat through this portal or this opening.
3: <laughs> yes,
2: we did. They do sometimes like to hide, and so when we're going to take pictures, sometimes they're hiding, and they're only going to come out halfway for that picture, but they will come out the whole way for the so, right family. So, yeah,
0: it is a whole cat we're talking uh-huh. about. Well, that, that was just my audible that I called in Salt here, so let's add Salt, and who do you have then for our final cat?
2: We have salt. Saul. And Saul is laying on his back. He's a real easygoing guy, 10 years old, front declawed, looking for a safe indoor-only home where he can relax and purr and daydream and have a great life.
1: Okay, I've always said that cats are the best creatures on the planet at relaxing.
2: <laughs> he looks very relaxed.
1: It's, it's not a hobby, it's an avocation. Um, <laughs> and again, another beautiful kitty.
0: And, Jim, if you look up there on the, on the screen here at the picture of Reese, I mean, the photographer has got some sort of toy because Reese is about ready to pounce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reese has got that sort of slow motion approaching, you know, eyes. Boy, I'm going to get that.
1: I, that yeah. or, or he's hungry and he's thinking, you look like lunch.
0: <laughs> Kate, okay, yeah. we got cats for adoption. And, uh, Charlene, what are your hours open today and tomorrow?
2: Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to
0: 5.30. Okay, we're going to go now for some dogs for adoption. And who do you want to start out with?
2: We'll start with Jackson. Jackson. And Jackson has a distinguished face with some gray markings. He's nine years old, a boxer pit bull, weighs about 51 pounds, so a medium-sized dog. Um, He loves people. He's good on a leash. He'll be a very intelligent companion. However, he does want to be your one and only canine, so he doesn't care for other dogs. He wants very much to have all the attention to himself.
1: (laughs) It looks like he's wearing mascara. (laughs)
2: He does have a very bold Uh, look to it. Yeah, it's almost
1: kind of an Alice Cooper look, don't you think, Scott?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just thinking of all the, you know, Andrew Jackson, Michael Jackson, all the the Jackson Brown. Yeah, all the different name name play we can we can get with this dog. Um, I think he's ready for a fun family, Uh, Jackson. He's looking like uh, like he's ready to to be adopted. There are some other great dogs, sir. Who do you have next?
2: Kobe, and Kobe is a German Shepherd Husky mix about a year old, a very handsome dog, uh, needs some training. (laughs) He does have a lot of puppy tendencies yet, so he'll need someone to provide him with positive direction and lots of praise. Um, He is actually available at Camp Bow Wow, so you would call them to set up a time to meet him. And they're just one of our partners off-site that help us have a place for people to meet animals. Um, And we are really appreciative of that, and Kobe hopes
1: that you'll ask about him. Hey, Kobe, show us your ears. (laughs) Boing! (laughs) Interesting mix of colors on that dog. Very, very pretty. Yeah, if you're into
0: uh, jogging, fast walking, getting out and getting some exercise, this would be a great dog for you. Take a look at the picture of Kobe, K-O-B-E, at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And then
2: there's... Roxy. And she is a Rottweiler American Bulldog mix, about a year old. She weighs 92 pounds pounds, so she's a very solid dog. But she's so cute. She has one of those little stub tails, so when she's wagging her tail, her, her whole back end wiggles, um, and it's often wiggling because she's a very happy dog. Look at that uh, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you Jesus. want to take her home, Scott?
1: <laughs> you know what?
0: I, I played touch football. Jan Baker, an old friend of mine, she had a Rottweiler, and he played like on the line, (laughs) and this dog was about 100 pounds, and boy could he block.
2: He was a great
0: (laughs) blocker. He could take you
1: down.
2: Yeah, Broxy has a lot of muscle and a lot of energy, so she does need someone who can keep up with her and provide her with loads of exercise and attention and a wonderful home.
0: Awesome. And for the comedic fun picture... You folks need to look at the picture of Felix. (laughs)
2: Look at
0: Felix's
2: eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think someone definitely has a squeaky toy who's taken that picture. I can
0: can just think of all sorts of cartoon voices to go along with that.
2: Uh, Yeah,
1: that is just a laser focus, isn't it? Yep.
0: Okay, fun dogs for adoption. Uh, You can see these dogs today and tomorrow. Here's Charlene with hours open.
2: Our PyLock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from
0: 11 to 5.30. Charlene, if people came out today and tomorrow to take a look at cats and dogs for adoption, what could they bring you in terms of donations, uh, things that you might need out there in the day-to-day operation?
2: Um, actually, it's going to be coming uh, kitten season soon. Mm. So um, we do often need kitten supplies. So that would be like kit, Purina Kitten Chow or Soft Kitten Food or even the Milk Replacer for the Little Kittens. So those would be really great items to donate.
0: Okay, Charlene, thank you so much for all the great work that you do. My best to Bob and all the staff out there. And keep on keeping on.
2: Thank you so much
0: for your support. Charlene and friends that work and volunteer at the Capital Humane Society, make them the first place that you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. I'm Scott Colborne, and this is Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Uh, So, Jim, tell me about your week. We've got a little bit of time because this is the fifth Saturday. Normally we have a second guest, but Mm -hmm. today we don't. So it's just you and me, big guy. Well, how about that
1: weather yesterday? Wasn't that interesting?
0: Yeah, I went from Wednesday, a
1: nice running my spring-like my, day, my air conditioner because it got nice, up close yeah. to eighty. A couple of nice days this week,
0: and last night it was down in the thirties with a wind, and mm-hmm. we had what was that stuff falling from now the sky? Was,
1: well, uh, yesterday afternoon it was raining hard, hard. I called it hard rain. Little pellets of ice, not sleet, but actual pellets of ice mixed in with the rain, and it uh, really made it quite slippery for a little while.
0: I live in south-central Lincoln, and last night I looked out because Weather Underground told me to do so, <laughs> and it was snowing. Yeah. And we had, we had snow flurries coming
1: down I didn't, here. I didn't look outside later, but, uh, and right now we've got uh, 45 degrees and uh, rain showers and scattered rain in the forecast still. So it's been an interesting mix the past couple days. So your
0: week's been okay?
1: Week's been okay, yeah. Okay,
0: everybody healthy in your household? Everybody's fine. I can't well, give you my cold, right? No, please okay. don't. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that leaves me. I've guess, got... Yeah,
1: uh, you got lots of stuff there to talk about.
0: Yeah, we've, we've uh, been busy in the Unexplained Phenomena silo. And uh, let's see, coming up next week, we've got... Bill Phillips, Uh, he's a repeat guest. He returns with a brand new book, Signs from the Other Side, Opening to the Spirit World. And uh, looking forward to talking with Mr. Phillips again next week. And I've got um, some folks scheduled for um, May, um, and I believe... June, I've got Linda Godfrey oh. um, with a book called I Know What I Saw, which is a collection of uh, monster-encrypted stories. Mm-hmm. I've got her scheduled for a, a return visit. And uh, so it's, it's going to be a fun spring and summer with our program. We're 34-plus years strong. Our first broadcast was in October of 1984. My, How Time Flies When You're Having Fun. And uh, I've had a chance to meet so many interesting people and read at least a book a week in preparation for the, uh, the conversations. And uh, I've met a lot of you folks out, out uh, in the radio listening audience, both here in Lincoln and sometimes even when I travel. And it's great to know that you're out there. We're going to have uh, coming up a fundraiser this spring, and hopefully you'll turn that appreciation around in terms of a donation to KZUM Radio uh, because everything that we do is nonprofit, noncommercial, and it's independent radio just the way you like it. So uh, things, things are well at the Colborne Clan. Good. Um, Let's see, let's Jim, let's take the bottom of the hour break. Okay, we can do that. And we'll come back with a little bit more conversation and then our uh, main guest, we've got Jason Offitt. He uh, wrote a book called What Lurks Beyond the Paranormal in Your Backyard. And that was a really interesting thesis because he said take where you're at, put a pin on the town you live in. Measure out with a piece of string 100 miles and draw a circle around where you live. And you don't have to drive far to explore the paranormal because it's right in your backyard. Mm -hmm. So um, we enjoyed that conversation. And when I heard that he had a brand new book coming out, I said, Jason, we got to have you back on. Chasing American Monsters over 250 creatures, cryptids, and hairy beasts. He's coming up next on Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Sure appreciate you being out there. Stay tuned for more.
3: To be caught, your battles lost. But our hands even fought. You try to keep your head you know. You try to be cool. But a wicked little smile lets you know she's not fooled. You're walking straight into disaster. She's gonna eat you alive. Fair chance you'll survive high. Someone ought to catch you.
1: Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln, and KZM
3: HD.
4: My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me
3: neither a role model, bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this 7-year-old grows up to be a role model himself.
1: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad
4: Council. Hear from brand new KZUM voices from your community before they even have their show on the air. Tune in to Beta Radio every Saturday from 3.30 to 5 p.m. on KZUM to hear from new KZUM programmers hosting shows that we hope to bring you regularly very soon. Beta Radio is a practice field of sorts for newly trained hosts to use their new studio skills and take their program idea for a spin. It's something new every week on Beta Radio, Saturdays from 3.30 to 5 here on KZUM.
2: This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation
4: for Public Broadcasting. KZUM's new Podcast Partners program aims to support producers of original content who are motivated to create podcasts that enrich the perspectives of our audience as an extension of KZUM's mission to inform and entertain the Lincoln community. If you're interested in bringing a podcast idea to life, the Podcast Partners program might be for you. Find out more and apply at kzum.org slash podcasts. Far from the din of commercial culture and just
5: this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on
1: KZUM.
0: With exploring unexplained phenomena. With me is Jim Shorty, and we sure appreciate you guys and gals being out there. We're going to join uh, our main guest, Jason Offit, in about five minutes. And uh, his, uh, his appearance today has got me thinking about, Jim, some of the cryptid and monster stories of Nebraska. Mm hmm. And um, there's a number of things. he's. Uh, I won't touch base on some of the stories in here because we're going to talk about those right. from the book here, but I've been kind of thinking about that. Um, I investigated the Bigfoot sighting on North 27th from the late 1970s. Mm-hmm. A young man on a motorcycle between Cornusker and Superior uh, just, after, um, just after dawn. He's on his motorcycle going north, and he approached...
1: That was back when that was basically out in the country, right? Yes, out yeah. in the country.
0: Um, some warehouse, but primarily mm-hmm. farm ground, vacant land. And so he's approaching the um, uh, Salt Creek, and this shape runs out from his right from the gully Mm -hmm. up across the road and causes him to turn his bike over to avoid hitting this thing. So he basically turns it over, he's on top of it, and it's sliding down north 27th on its side, and he sees this creature uh, run across the road in front of him, run down the other gully, run up, jump over a fence just like it was a, a hurdle, And then run into a field and and disappear. Hmm. Um, So I've got a copy in my files of the police report of that, and I want to say it's from 1978. Mm -hmm. Um, In more recent times, uh, we had a Bigfoot sighting again on North 27th, uh, just north of Superior. And um, if you think about where the the new high school is, right? Okay. there are some athletic grounds that uh, from North 27th are just east of there. Mm -hmm. And so I've got, uh, in this story, I've got a a registered nurse who did a home health care visit. It's about 10 o'clock at night, and she's driving south, coming down that long, long hill. And so the uh, athletic grounds in the high school area would be on her left, and she sees this hairy creature on two legs, run from her left out across the street, and then run down a side street, a feeder route, into a residential area. And so because she was traveling at 35, 40 miles an hour, she got to that juncture very quickly. She stopped her car and looked down that feeder route, that side street, and couldn't see mm-hmm. anybody or anything.
1: Um, and they, again, that's uh, fairly near the creek,
0: Yes, yeah, so we've got that's, two... That's a
1: low-lying area, uh, some of it's floodplain. Two localized reports there. And
0: when I was at the, uh, the Hastings um, Nebraska Bigfoot Conference a year ago, uh, I talked to some of the speakers there, some of the experts, mm-hmm. and they believe that, that Bigfoot, um, the physical, real creature, uh, probably uses the waterways... Yeah, that's where as, I was going with that. As yeah. we might, in terms of... Uh, as,
1: as do a lot of wild creatures. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, if if they are the the apex predator, mm-hmm. there's nobody above Bigfoot in terms of a yeah. predator, they're going to go where other animals go. Right. Plus, a water source. Water source, right. A way to conceal themselves, a mm-hmm. way to travel and navigate. So... Um. If you accept the idea that Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature, um, he may also be a psychic projection. We'll ask Jason for his opinion. But if if he's a big, uh, physical, real creature, then he's got to have water, right? Yep. Got to have food, sustenance, forage. Mm-hmm. Shelter. Um, shelter. And so the riverways would, would certainly offer that. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I I heard this recently with all the flooding. God bless the people that have experienced that in Nebraska. And I was shocked. But do you know that we think about other states that have um, 10,000 lakes, et cetera. Do you know that Nebraska has more miles of creeks and rivers and tributaries than any state in the country? I so totally believe that. And yeah. I was amazed. To me, that was shocking. It's, I would have... Uh, Thought of other states first, but so people will say, you know, Bigfoot in Nebraska? Oh, come on! Well, again, the premise is if you've got water, mm-hmm. habitat, sustenance, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, down by um, the intersection of Highway 33 and Highway 77 on the southwest corner. Yeah used to be an old farmhouse. Later on, it was a Montessori. And I knew the folks uh, back in the 1980s that owned that farmhouse. Um, and I was in the real estate business. I was a real estate broker, and a bad pun, I was indeed broker than most. <laughs> because the interest rates kept rising, but oh, any, man, that's another yeah. story. So um, she was also a real estate broker for Woods Brothers, And her son was also licensed. So um, they knew of my interest in unexplained phenomena. Mm -hmm. And they were experiencing contemporary, present-day Bigfoot encounters. Wow. So I went down and did an investigation there on their farmstead, walked part of that um, that square mile down there, and uh, there's a tributary from the it's either the little blue or the big blue that's on their property. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, some of the criteria is met. They've got a ready water resource there. They've got shelter belts, and um, she told Ellen was her first name. She told me a, a fascinating story that uh, she's in the farmhouse and she hears the horses in the corral making a lot of racket. Something's really disturbing the horses. Mm-hmm. So she comes out of the farmhouse. And all the horses are bunched up against one side of the corral. Mm. At the other side of the corral is this hairy creature standing on two legs. This creature sees Ellen, and the barbed wire is probably six foot, nimbly, again, with grace, boom, hops over that, and then runs down this wooded ravine and disappears from sight. Mm-hmm. She calls the Nebraska Game of Parks Commission, and they send a guy out there. And uh, he takes a sample of the hair from the fence. She never hears back about that. And then he starts to make his way down that wooded ravine. Light is fading fast. We're going into twilight mm-hmm. and dark. And he got about halfway down and said, I'm not going any farther. I've just, this doesn't feel right. So he came back up and... Uh, so I don't have a, a resolution or a final end of that story, uh, but they actually had uh, a number of, of experiences hearing this creature that sounded like a, a baby crying, only amplified really loud, mm-hmm. um, and uh, without stretching the listener's imaginations, that actually had several times where this creature came into their farmhouse. Wow. So it was interesting. When I was down there, it could have been the power of the imagination, but I definitely got a vibe. Mm -hmm. I definitely got a vibe just being on that property. It was like there was something else there. And so Hmm. uh, I'm I'm a Bigfoot believer. I've talked to so many people, both here in Nebraska and in a larger context, around the United States that have had personal encounters. Um, A gentleman I talked to a year ago at the Hastings Conference makes his home out in Colorado, and he was very, very credible. And he said that he's a believer because he stood across a wooded ravine about 40 yards away from a Bigfoot. And they stood and simply looked at each other for a couple of minutes. And then casually the Bigfoot turned and walked up nimbly this um, this mix of shale and rock that was left over from a mine very treacherous footing Mm -hmm. it would have been very very hard for Mike to get up there himself the Bigfoot just went right up there just like it was on a walk and disappeared Mm. So, now as to whether or not these are physical creatures we don't know are they physical all the time or are they physical some of the time? Well, hopefully we've set the stage here for a lar- larger conversation. So yeah, I think let's so. Let's get Mr. Offit on the phone here, Jim. We'll do that. And uh, how's the coffee going?
1: Coffee's great. Thank you.
0: Okay. I'm going to have my first sip, I think. Enjoy. I had a throat lozenge and we'll go for some coffee now. En-
1: enjoy that coffee that you kindly brought in.
0: Okay. We're going to come back with Jason Offit the brand new book, Chasing American Monsters, over 250 creatures, cryptids, and hairy beasts. Stay tuned, there's gonna be more. Colborne with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, 34 years strong. It's great to have you out there. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning if you're live with us, and if you're listening to the archive that's normally posted by the following Friday, it's great to have you uh, discover the show. There's lots of, uh, lots of listing there. We've got one of the archive websites, which is eupradio.net. That goes all the way back to 2005 to 2017. And then kzum.org slash E-U-P. That runs from 2017 to the present. Uh, And we are also, we're also on iTunes. So a number of ways you can listen. And I'm sure glad that you are listening because we've got a great show for you this morning. We've got from Marysville, excuse me, let me say that again, Maryville, because we have a Marysville, Kansas. We do. This is Maryville, Missouri. We've got Jason Offutt with us. He teaches journalism at Northwest Missouri State University. He's the author of four previous books on paranormal topics, including Haunted Missouri and Paranormal Missouri. I mentioned that book that we had him Uh, Talk about, during his last visit, what lurks beyond the paranormal in your backyard. Uh, He's been interviewed on many radio stations, many shows, including uh, this one. He and his family make their home in Maryville, Missouri. And Jason, welcome back to the broadcast.
2: Hey,
5: thank you so much for having me back on the show. And you uh, had mentioned where I work at Northwest Missouri State University, so let me just throw a plug out there for the athletics program. Uh, The basketball team is competing for the Division II national championship at two o'clock today.
0: Congratulations! What's what's the mascot or nickname?
5: Uh, Bearcats.
0: Okay, go Bearcats! Hey, Jason, who picked the cover for this book? It is gorgeous.
5: Yeah, I, know, I was really, really happy with the cover. That is um, uh, my publisher, uh, uh, Llewellyn, uh, Llewellyn Worldwide uh, Press, uh, they designed the cover, and it, it looks great.
0: Yeah, this is, I told you, and this is like harkens back to kind of looking like the farmer's almanac, you know, that you would grab and you, you would trust, you'd pick up to see the, the information about what's coming up in terms of weather in your in your area. Uh, it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful, striking cover. You know, if this is on a bookshelf, I'm going to want to reach over and grab
1: this. It's it's the monsters all the neck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Chasing American Monsters, over 250 creatures, cryptids, and hairy beasts. Jason, I know you teach journalism, so you've got a penchant and a a big background in writing. What what was the idea behind this book?
5: Well, I've also been interested in monsters ever since I was uh, fairly young um, I, and I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to explore basically um, I wrote a, a newspaper column uh, a number of years ago called from the shadows I wrote it for four and a half years about uh, about the paranormal and um, since I was writing it for a Missouri newspaper I got a lot of stories from Missouri and oh, cool. I got a number of monsters and I'm like wow that they're all here in this, in this state. I wonder what kind of monsters we have, uh, you know, in Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas. And then it just kind of went further than that. And um, you know, I pieced together all the, uh, all the monsters I could find from every state.
0: Uh, Jim uh, uh, is my co-host here. Um, and uh, Jason, I've got Jim and Jason, uh, kind of an idea here. Let's have the audience call in with their request for a state. And Jason and I can talk about that. All
1: right, we can do that.
0: Okay. Uh, Are you up for that, Jason? Sure. Okay. So, folks, what we'll do is we'll have you call us here. We're going to make Jim do some fast work here. He'll be answering the phones. It's 402-474-5086, extension 1. That number again... 402-474-5086, 402-474-5086 extension one. Or just follow the voice prompt. So yeah, maybe yeah. maybe you're interested in a in a state that you were born and raised in, but besides Nebraska, we're going to get to that. Maybe you've always thought about traveling or vacationing to some place and you want to have kind of a heads up. Maybe you're curious about a friend or relative or a coworker that lives in another part of the United States. Mm-hmm. So this is gorgeous because you can start with this book, uh, as I did, and read it cover to cover, or you can go alphabetically and you can find your state of interest and then look at the reports and stories there. And Jason, how would you go about uh, getting all these stories?
5: Well, uh, a number of them, I, I, I talked with people who had experiences. Uh, the, the rest of them are um, either... Uh, historical accounts that were in uh, in newspapers I it's made yeah, the internet has made research really uh, really a lot easier because uh, not just are there fairly recent news stories uh, stories from newspapers online but there are stories you know <laughs> dating back to the 1800s that uh, that have that are online a lot of the New York Times especially has got all their archives Online, So that was, uh, yeah, that made things pretty easy.
0: Okay, once again, that number to call, if you'd like to just shout out a state and have us talk about that, is 402-474-5086, extension
1: 1. I can start it off. I have an interest in Missouri because I've had uh, immediate family and friends over the years living in Missouri, or Missouri, depending on what part you live in.
0: Okay, well, that happens to be the home state for Jason Offit here too. Amazing coincidence. Yeah, and what's fun yes. is Jason lays this out. He talks about some of the famous people. Okay, yeah. yeah. So some of the famous people: President Harry Truman. Mm-hmm. You knew that. Yep, I knew that. How about Walter Cronkite? Wow, I didn't know that. Don uh, Cheadle and Brad Pitt. Cheadle. Yeah, uh, Don, Don Cheadle, who is Don Cheadle. Uh,
5: in uh, currently in the uh, the Avengers movie.
1: Ah, okay. How about Chuck Berry? Chuck Berry, awesome. Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra.
0: Casey Jones, the railroad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, John
1: Pershing, General Pershing. Who we John had? Blackjack we had an Pershing. Auditorium here in Lincoln named after him. A botanist George Washington Carver. Mm-hmm.
0: How About Edwin uh, Edwin Hubble, the astronomer.
1: Ah, of the famous Hubble telescope named and of after course, him. T.S.L.A. T.S.L.A. And
0: one of my favorites that I quote a lot on Facebook, Mark Twain.
1: Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens.
0: Okay, I've got my book open here to Missouri. I'm going to have you, Jason, because there are some cool stories here about Missouri. Why don't you pick one?
1: Uh, Okay, Uh, how about space penguins? Space penguins, (laughs) I love that.
5: Space penguins, yeah. Uh, this was in uh, 1967 on Valentine's Day. Uh, a farmer just what, walked out in his, his field and uh, saw what looked like a, uh, a big gray mushroom, metallic mushroom, mm-hmm. in his field. And at the base of the mushroom, at the stem, were penguins. They looked like penguins. penguins. They were about three feet tall. They were waddling like penguins do. They had big black eyes, and, uh, and they were green. Uh, that's a that's a nice point um and this you know not if this was me i probably would have just left um but no he got closer to it and picked up rocks and started throwing rocks at it and the rocks uh bounced off uh what what he said was he thought was a force field like uh you know like, like like in star trek at the time and uh the penguins Noticed him and waddled up into their ship and and, and wow. took off.
1: Now that's that's a new one. I've heard of greys and tall whites and reptilians and all the usual ones, but I've never heard of green penguins.
5: Well, and this is this is something that uh, that I've been giving giving some thought to, uh, especially with with the eyes that that he mentioned. They were really big and, and black eyed, completely black eyes. It it seems like uh, during. Some encounters uh, with with greys that uh, you know the people will instead of seeing greys will see really you know three foot tall rabbits with big black almond shaped eyes mm-hmm. or, or enormous owls with great big black eyes um, you know maybe this is just what the uh, what what the what the extraterrestrials wanted him to see what is cute and adorable and everybody loves penguins yeah okay let's let him see penguins.
0: Yeah, I, I had a friend that uh, grew up in the Nebraska area and grew up on a farm. Um, he was awakened one night and just prompted as a boy to put his clothes on and go outside. And he did, and he walked out into the farmyard, and there in the cornfield, he saw his mother. And he said, Mom, what are you doing out here? And she said, come with me. And so he walked over, and he and his mother walked up to a flying saucer that was landed in the cornfield, and they went on board. So I was present at the um, hypnosis session with a um, psychologist who, who held a doctorate in clinical psychology, mm-hmm. very, very trained uh, top to bottom in this, and uh, what he was experiencing there was a screen memory. It wasn't his mother out in the field. Mm. It was a short E.T. And basically the same examination that you might have in a, in a doctor's office. And then um, the next thing he knew, he found himself back in bed, and, mm. and he was kind of waking up then. So, yeah, Jason, you're entirely right. Sometimes these people... That have the extraterrestrial encounters, they may see a talking deer, they may see the large, um, bigger than life owl, uh, they may see something that um, takes the edge away, if you will.
1: Yeah.
5: Right. Your your the story your story about the, the the guy the boy seeing his mother out in the field and uh, you know having an examination done uh, reminds me of something that I heard. Have you? Uh, I had the pleasure of talking with David Politis.
0: No, I have not.
5: Okay, okay yeah, David's written uh, the missing four one one books. I think he's got a series of six. It might be up to seven by now. And and he describes all of these uh, cases of people missing in uh, uh, national forest and state forest and, and places like this. And and one of his stories that he that he tells sounds a lot like what you just described to me, except for this little boy out camping and camping encounters his grandmother. And his grandmother takes him into this cave, and uh, there's some medical stuff as well. So, yeah, that, that just it, it sounded sounded too close for me not to bring up.
0: And was that little boy then able to return then? Yes. Okay, good. God yes. bless you. It
5: was a go-to-sleep-wake-up sort of thing, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, folks, if you just joined us, this is Jason Offit. Um, I'm holding—Jim uh, gave you a compliment. He said this thing is about an inch thick— uh, it's got substance to it. Uh, chasing American monsters over 250 creatures, cryptids, and hairy beasts. Um, tell me about Momo.
5: This is one of the things that, uh, as a young boy, got me to realize that you know maybe monsters are real. Uh, I was I, I've been a I was a print journalist for 17 years and. Before that, I was a newspaper nerd. Even As soon as I learned to read, I was reading newspapers because that's what my parents did. And and I noticed, um, this was in 1971, I I, I noticed that there were stories in the local newspaper, the Kansas City Star, about a large, hairy, human-like creature that was seen in Louisiana, Missouri. Louisiana is on the other side of the state between, uh, like, St. Louis and and Hannibal. And it was great, because this is a Bigfoot. The description was a Bigfoot in my state. And uh, I I followed the news stories. I couldn't wait to get to the newspaper to see if there was an updated story. It was during the summer. I believe it was June or July of 71. uh, Joan Mills and Mary Ryan uh, were two young girls, uh, well, uh, uh, teenagers, uh, they were having a picnic north of town. They had their blanket out. They had their food. And while they were eating, um, they smelled what... They thought a family of skunks uh, was was encroaching on them. And so they started looking around, and what they saw was not a family of skunks. It was this seven-foot-tall, uh, completely covered in hair, human-like beast was staring at them from the tree line. And they did what... um the the gentleman with the space penguins did uh, or should have done uh, instead of throwing rocks, it was screaming and running away. And they ran to their car and they got into the car and Mills realized too late that her car keys were in her purse that was on the blanket Uh that was (laughs) outside the car and this beast walked by the picnic area uh, and walked up to the car and even you know had its face pressed against the glass, looking at these two girls who were screaming their heads off, and eventually it, it walked off, and they got brave enough to run down the hill and, and get the purse and, and and tear out of there and go tell the police. But that that was that was the first sighting. Um, there weren't any more until um, the summer of 1972, and um, yeah, there were there were a number within a couple of weeks, and uh, just just as terrifying as that one.
0: Wow. Uh, the creature seemed yeah, it- to have no neck, um, appeared before the screaming child carrying a bloody dog in the crook of a muscular, hairy arm. Um, the dad, Edgar, returns home. He finds giant footprints and strange black hairs stuck to the tree where his children had seen the creature.
5: Right. Uh, the. The the no neck thing is is fairly common with Bigfoot As Bigfoot encounters. It's like the head's just right, you know, coming right out of the right out of the shoulders. One of the things about Momo that I'm really fascinated by is the footprints that were found. They were found out in a garden, and they made plaster casts of these. They were three toed, which is unlike most Bigfoot, uh, you know, footprints, which look like an enormous human footprint. Mm-hmm. But these had three toes, and the only three-toed, uh, you know, three-toed mammals are sloths. Mm-hmm. Even the two-toed sloth is misnamed. It has three toes. Um, and I mean, that's that's the speculation some people have. Well, maybe Bigfoot's just a big ground sloth. I think that sounds a bit silly, but um, it's something that people discuss. But there are other Bigfoot encounters that leave or big feet that, that, that leave uh, three-toed footprints, the folk monster uh, from Arkansas, which was um, the the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek. That's what that was based on. And the Honey Island Swamp Monster in Louisiana also has three-toed footprints. Um, I, I, I don't know. You know, I've kind of put together maybe that's, they're not seen that often. Maybe maybe this type of creature uh, just goes up and down the Mississippi River at various times a year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are interesting stories, and I've enjoyed reading this book because it was just relentless. You're covering a lot of ground here, a lot of states, and folks, there's, there's going to be more than just, I, I wouldn't ever say than just Bigfoot, but there's a lot more stories besides, in addition to, Bigfoot. And we'll get to a few of those here. Our special guest today is Jason Offutt. We'll take the top of the hour break. we'll be right back with chasing American Monsters. Stay tuned.
2: Hey,
1: the voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD.
4: Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason & Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln, offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. And by the Haymarket Farmer's Market, thanking its patrons and vendors for this past season. Vendor inquiries for the 2019 season at 402-435-7496 and lincolnhaymarket.org. KZUM and the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum present
5: How's It Growing? Nature Walks and Garden Talks 2019. Welcome spring and join Bob Hendrickson of KZUM's How's It Growing and Friends of Wilderness Park on a guided nature hike. Learn how to identify and harvest wild plants while getting away from the hustle and bustle of the city. Join us Saturday, April 13th, 10 a.m. to noon at Wilderness Park. Find out more on Facebook and at
4: KZUM.org. Hear from brand new KZUM voices from your community before they even have their show on the air. Tune in to Beta Radio every Saturday from 3.30 to 5 p.m. on KZUM to hear from new KZUM programmers hosting shows that we hope to bring you regularly very soon. Beta Radio is a practice field of sorts for newly trained hosts to use their new studio skills and take their program idea for a spin. It's something new every week on Beta Radio, Saturdays from 3:30 to 5 here on KZUM.
0: Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Our special guest is Jason Offitt and the brand new book, a gorgeous cover. Chasing American monsters, over 250 creatures, cryptids, and hairy beasts. Uh, Staying with Missouri for the moment. Here we've got a story: the Serpent of Mud Lake. Um, This Jason goes back to 1895.
5: Right, and this is this is another one. Like I was was talking about uh, the absolutely terrific archives that are of, of newspapers. That, that are online this was yeah 1985 uh, september the um yeah uh,
0: 1895
5: of uh, did i say 19? Yeah. <laughs> I might have 1895. Uh it happens uh, near St. Joseph Missouri which isn't that far south of where I'm sitting right now. Um, there was uh, the uh, Anderson McCoy was the brother of of, uh, of a police officer uh they have to point that out because I don't know. I'm not sure why. Uh to give it some validity, I suppose, but he was fishing and um there was uh, he had a net in the in the water and something was pulling at the net and, and when he pulled the net up there was a large hole that that, that was big enough for the, the, the for a horse to 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 pass through. Uh, and a, the fisherman uh was sure it was this serpent that that is legendary of, of the lake. Mhm. Um, People went out there and, uh, and saw it at one point. McCoy went out there again, and uh, he was in his boat, and the boat went up in the air. It was lifted up in the air, and when it was you – know, he, he looked over the side, and the serpent uh, of, of Mud Lake had come up underneath the boat and lifted it and then dropped it back into the water. Uh, this has apparently happened a few different times, but uh, it was never caught.
0: But without sort of jumping the gun, because there's so many reports we to talk about, reports like the serpent of Mud Lake makes me wonder about um, the physical nature of the creature and does it always reside in Mud Lake or is there some sort of ability... Jason, I'm speculating here that some of these monsters may have to essentially bilocate and come from over there to here.
5: And to bring Bigfoot up again, that's something that, uh, that researchers have been playing around with uh, because Bigfoot tends to just disappear. He will appear, or it will appear, and then, and then seems to disappear. Nobody can can find the Bigfoot, um, and you know why not? We we can't really really explain explain that. But monsters, when it comes to, to lakes, that would you know help me out a bit because Mud Lake doesn't exist anymore, and no, you know skeletal remains were were ever found of a, a huge serpent. Uh, there are also uh, lake monsters. In every single state, there's a lake monster. Mm-hmm. And some of the lake monster legends are based in man-made lakes, which, how does that happen? Your explanation might, you know, could tie, tie monsters into those, those man-made lakes.
0: Okay, this is just macabre. This title just gets the mind going. Tell me about The Night People.
5: Oh, the, the night people! I love the night people. Wow! Um, this story—a uh, guy named Vern Windsor when he was uh, when he was young, in uh, grew up in a town called Oric, Missouri, which uh, right now I think it's a, right at eight hundred people. It, it never was much bigger than that. Um, he would, you know, be sent to bed, and he never wanted to go to bed. What kid, you know, does? But he, um, so he would just he would play in his room and. And he started noticing that there were people outside and he would watch them. And the strange thing, a couple of strange things about these people. One is they'd be going in and out of houses, they'd be mowing yards, you know, young couple walking a, uh, you know, walking a stroller down the street with a baby. Um, and in his head, it, he, he made sense of this by, by thinking, you know, we're the day people. We do all these things during the day. So these people he sees at night are the night people. They, they live in our houses at night and mow our yard and do this other stuff while the day people are sleeping. Uh, but there was one characteristic of the night people that really stood out is their eyes were big like a fish's. They were you know, just huge, huge bulbous eyes on, on the night people. And he would see them, uh Often and one night, he uh, while he was looking at them, um, he saw kids. There were kids out there playing about his age, and he really, really wanted to go outside and play with the kids. And he really wasn't sure if, if if somebody noticed him with with, with their eyes, or if he was projecting, wanting to come outside so much that that they recognized that that, that they felt it, but. The adults noticed that he was noticing them. And as soon as he realized the adults knew that he saw them, he, he passed out. And he woke up on the floor the next morning and, uh, yeah, didn't didn't see the night people in Oric anymore. Interesting. He, uh, he saw them. Uh, they, they moved to nearby Liberty, Missouri, and he said he saw them a couple of times in Liberty, but, but that was it. Uh, fascinating story.
0: Yes. You know, sometimes uh, we wonder about uh, children if uh, they have heightened senses in a number of areas that slowly diminish as they get older um, because of a number of factors. But that I just found that, I I read that story last night, and I thought just that title of that story, The Night People, gets you to to start going there. Jim, do we have a... Yeah. We had a caller that...
1: Let me bring your mic up here, Jim, so you don't have to shout. I don't like to shout. It's hard on the voice. Uh, Yes, we had uh, Sheila call in, and she's interested in New Jersey kind of in general, and also particularly because she related a story to me about a family legend that they have about something called the Jersey Devil or the Leeds Devil. And uh, in relation to the Pine Barrens area of New Jersey, so she's kind of wondering what you have on New Jersey.
0: Okay, that's Chapter Thirty, New Jersey. And all right, uh, New
5: yeah, New. Uh, go ahead.
0: No, I'll, I'll wait for you. Go ahead.
5: Oh, I was just—I was going to jump right into the to the to the to the Jersey Devil. Um, yeah, yeah, it, the Pine Barrens of of New Jersey. Um, uh, the, I mean, the name is is fairly ominous. The Barrens. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's called the Barrens because uh, of the acidity of the soil. Uh, people who who initially moved there in the uh, in the seventeen hundreds couldn't couldn't grow anything. Couldn't grow vegetables. Couldn't grow crops. Um, I mean, pines would grow there. Certain 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 plants would grow there, like the pitcher plant. And of course, uh, the pitcher p- plant is carnivorous. Mm-hmm. Um, poisonous plant plants grow there um so it's kind of it's kind of a scary place and it, it's littered with uh the foundations of of homes that had you know these people who tried to live there and then there were some towns that were built that never never survived but the uh most famous story of uh, of the pine barrens was in uh, 1735 uh, a woman, her last name was Leeds, L-E-E-D-S. They called her Mother Leeds uh, because she had 12 children. And there was a 13th child that she didn't want because one, it's the unlucky number. And, and two, she had 12 kids already. And when, um, the baby was born, uh, in, in the home, it looked like a normal baby. And, but she had been calling this, you know, child a devil. Uh, because again it was the 13th uh so with with the curse that she'd laid on it uh it almost immediately started to change from a, a normal looking infant to I mean, its, its head stretched and started to look like that of a goat It uh its, its body grew somewhat uh the, the hand the arms and legs uh became horse-like uh although obviously it was it was bipedal the uh uh, the hands turned into hooves. And it had a snake-like tail and then sprouted bat wings. And the very th- uh, very first thing that this uh, this creature did was kill the midwife and then fly up through the uh, through the chimney and escape. And this thing has been seen for, you know, 280 years. Um, hundreds of people have reported seeing this, and, and not just in New Jersey. And uh, there was one case in... Uh, in Pennsylvania where it was seen by firefighters who uh, in the, in the 1900s who attacked it with their fire hose uh, schools have closed because of sightings of this thing. And uh, mm. the, the, the most interesting name of people seeing the the Jersey devil was a guy named Joseph Bonaparte. That was Napoleon's brother.
1: Mm. Interesting. Well, there you go, Sheila, you're in the book, and uh, you might